thank you, Dave and Rosalie. What a song to sing, to draw strength from in a time that seems so confusing. And yet going to Jesus Christ kind of, I mean, it does. It puts at ease, or it can put at ease, the turmoil that seems to be raging around us. Thank you. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We've, uh, as we raised our kids, there were many times when we said, uh, eat it, it's good for you. Eat it, it's good for you, or, or it's healthy. It'll make you live longer. It'll kill, it'll kill cancer, although it didn't, I'm sure. Um, or you will enjoy life more. You will have more energy. Drink these, and now today, though, it's uh, kale smoothies and spinach smoothies. What you're really saying is, this is not going to taste good, but it's good for you. And this morning, I want us to see the good in grace giving. And this, uh, if I had my choice, I would never preach on 2 Corinthians chapters 8 or chapters 9. Uh, just because of the content. The deacons know that I don't like to preach on giving. Or they, I do not like taking offerings. Uh, it, it's just not part of me, but it is part of ministry, and it is part, uh, in fact, from chapters 8 and chapters 9, uh, the content of these two, when you get a hold of it, might be the thing that will bring you the most joy in all of your life. And I know there are some in this auditorium that find more joy in these two chapters than in anything else they do. And I appreciate people like that in our ministry here. Um, So what's the good in grace giving? Well, as we looked at chapter 8, we saw uh, how to give. And now, in chapter 9, we see why to give. But the whole context is that Paul went to the church at Corinth and said the church in Jerusalem, the people there are starving to death uh, because they're going through famine and, and the, they've lost their jobs and they've lost their properties, many of them because they have become believers in Jesus Christ, believers in the way, they used to call them back there. And so the Jewish, um, they were being persecuted by the Jews there, and so they are, they are suffering. And the church at Corinth says, oh, we can give. Let's Let's give. And so they prom- we will pro- Paul, we will promise, we will take up an offering when you come back through on your way to Jerusalem that we will have an offering here for you. Now the problem is that uh, it's been a year and there's been no offering. There's been a year of hardship for those in, Cor- in Jerusalem. And that's why in the verses that we read, they sound a little confusing that we were reading this morning. They sound a little confusing, but Paul is writing to them to encourage them to give. They're, they're sending some uh, the men with the collection, and they're coming from the churches of Macedonia, and they're coming through uh, Corinth 
They're going to pick up the, the gift, the offering, to go on to Jerusalem. So that's the background of all of this. Uh, but the theme of, uh, of Cor- the letter to Corinth, 2 Corinthians, is joy because of the grace of God that is extended to us. And what Paul is saying here is when we grasp the grace of God being poured out into our lives, it will change our lives radically. When we get a grasp of that, God's grace, what is God's grace? A grace meaning given what we do not deserve. So God's grace is God pouring out into our lives what we do not deserve. We do not deserve God's grace at all. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've been separated from a holy God. We deserve this separation in a literal hell. We deserve that. But the grace of God spares us from that. The grace of God provides for us salvation, forgiveness of our sin, uh, becoming a, a child of God. So we are joint heirs into all of his riches plus the home in heaven that he's preparing for us that uh, uh, was sung about this morning. All of these things are given to those who place their faith in Jesus Christ. Then his grace is poured out upon us. We, uh, I, I pray that each one here has recognized that Jesus died for them on the cross, recognize that you, you are a sinner, and that you're not going to get to heaven by something good that you do or something great that you give, that you're going to receive this gift of God, and that gift is the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. If you haven't done that, that is the next thing you need to do. The very next thing you need to do is to place your faith in Jesus Christ. None of this that I mentioned this morning is going to mean anything to you until you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. Then this can happen. So as I said in in chapter 8 last Sunday, we looked at uh, grace giving or mission barrel giving, and it it tells us um, how to give. We give in spite of our circumstances, that was the first part, churches of Macedonia, they were in deep poverty and they were in under great affliction, but that didn't matter. They gave. They gave eagerly. They begged Paul uh, to be able to be part of this offering. Let us be part. They were eager. We want to be there. They gave as Jesus gave, and Jesus gave his all. Uh, he gave himself. And then he gave to others, motivated by love. He gave, uh, they were willing to give, uh, they gave willingly, we looked at. And they gave by faith. So that's how they give. Now what, uh, what is the benefit, what is the good in grace giving? And Paul mentions five things in chapter 9. Hopefully we will get to them. Uh, Five things or five benefits of grace giving. This is for our good. We might not know. Uh, we might not know what is going to be. Uh, what the good is going to be. Some of what good happens happens here on the earth, and much of that is what Paul is writing about here. So, what uh, what are the benefits 
of grace giving or just giving or sacrificially giving or just giving in the offering. Uh, if you drop in uh, offering in one of the, the little boxes back there, what good is it? Well, this is what Paul says, verses 1 through 5. He says, our giving will encourage others to give. See, uh, the, here it says, look at the last part of verse 2. He says, your zeal, he's writing to the Corinthian church, your zeal hath provoked very many to give. You were so excited, a year ago you were so excited about giving that uh, it got other people excited about giving. The churches in Macedonia got them excited. See, giving isn't a competition to see who gives more. Giving is, and using the word provoke uh, here, provoked others, just encouraged others to give. I, um, there are some in our running group that go and they climb this climbing wall uh, once a week or so. They'll, they'll climb, and uh, they encourage each other. And the, the illustration that they were telling, or the story they were telling me about is encouraging Mike Porter as he's crawling, scaling this wall. It's in a big barn and goes high and they, they use the ropes and, and encouraging him, go to the right, go to the left. You can do this. You got this. And, and that's what this giving is here. Uh, when we give, we encourage others to give. Uh, Sunday, last Sunday, there was somebody here that had a particular need, and uh, and just mentioned, Pastor, could you could you help me out with this need? And I said, Sure, God has blessed me; I can bless you. And so I gave. After church, somebody came up and said, Pastor, I saw you helping so and so. Here put in, gave into my hand. That's why uh, we encourage others to give. When we give, we encourage them. Uh, we need each other. This provoke, uh, Hebrews 10, 24 said, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. See, we encourage each others in this Christian life. We're going to need each other more this coming year than we needed each other this past year. Because uh, it's, it's, it's coming. Things are not pleasant uh, uh, in the future. We need to encourage one. That's one reason why we made the time change. In fact, that is the primary reason we made a time change here. And I know it's a struggle to get up. It's a struggle for me, and I hate change. And, I, uh, you know, I hated all these things that I said, I, the, the next pastor can do this. And uh, God said, no, I'm not waiting till the next pastor. And, and I don't like all of this, but the, our mission is go and win disciples. And by winning disciples, we're talking small groups. We're talking one-on-one. -on -one. We're talking groups of five. We're talking uh, in during the discipling that they come to know Jesus. And so we have small groups. We made a change here now, a difficult change, so that following the morning worship service and preaching from God's Word, we can go to small groups and then get real. Because you can come in here and you can walk out of here and not be real at all. But you go into a small group where you're held accountable. 
and you hear, uh, you weep with people that are crying because their marriages are falling apart or their kids are walking away or uh, their whatever it might be, that's when life changes for us using God's Word to meet those needs. Accountability groups, small groups, you encourage one another here. Uh, that's why we have book clubs so that you can read books and then get real with those that are in the group. Um, how are your devotions going? You know, how's your Bible reading going in these small groups? How's your, we missed you last Sunday in, in a small group or whatever it might be. Uh, how is it going with uh, your marriage? How's it going with your kids? Uh, we were running yesterday, and, and that was, we just, uh, that's a small group. And there were, we poured out our hearts, uh, uh, different things that different runners were, were going through with their children and, uh, and then prayed for them during that time. How is your exercise program going? How is your weight loss going? How is, uh, you know, just all of these things that make it real in our lives. We encourage one another. And even giving encourages one another uh, here. So, uh, and, and in that, in those verses, he says, okay, here's how you encourage others to give. Don't give in haste, it says there in, in verse 4. Lest happily, if they have Macedonia, come with me and find you're unprepared. Be prepared. Make it deliberate in your giving, uh, planned giving. Uh, you teach your children about planned attendance to church. You realize that? I mean, if you say you lay their clothes out in the Saturday evening and you say, okay, uh, these are the clothes you're going to wear for church, do they wonder if you're going to go to church or not? If your kids wonder if you're going to go to church Sunday morning, you're not doing something right. It needs to be planned, just like this giving needed to be planned. Our uh, coming needs to be planned. No, they, they just know automatically. Sunday, we go to church. That's the way giving should be. I, Bob Anderson, Bob and Peg gave their testimonies a few Sunday nights ago. But I, I remember his testimony saying that uh, his dad would get paid, and he would cash his check. He would come home. And he would lay the money out on the bed. And then the first money that he would take, he would push it off to the side. He says, this is for the Lord. So the kids always knew that the first went to the Lord. The first fruits in the Old Testament, but the, the first going to the Lord uh, even today. And so planned giving uh, without embarrassment, without telling how much they gave. In fact, Paul says, you, you don't have to tell me how much you're going to give uh, the church at Corinth, uh, but make it be bountiful. He calls it bounty there in, uh, in verse 5. There is, it's going to be bountiful, not covetous. So don't be, uh, I mentioned last week, don't be a flint giver or uh, where you have to whack the 
steal on the stone to get anything to happen. And don't be a sponge giver where you have to be squeezed every time or you're not going to give. But be the honeycomb giver that so it just oozes out of all of those little cells filled with honey and it runs down your hand and drips off your elbow. Uh, you don't have to do anything to it except eat it. You know, that's, that's what that kind of giving we ought to have. So our giving will encourage others to give. That's one benefit. The second benefit, our giving will bless us. That's what he says in verses 6 through 11. It's going to bless us. Of course, this isn't new because Jesus himself said in, in Luke chapter 6, Give, and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men Men, give unto your bosom or into your lap, for with the same measure that you use to measure, or it uses meat, uh, same measure that you use to give, it shall be measured to you again. So the same thing, measurement we use to give, if you, and they're talking about a bushel basket, you use a bushel basket, you're going to get poured back, and they're going to use the bushel basket for giving back to you. Now, uh, this doesn't always show up in material wealth. You don't give uh, $100 on Sunday because you want to receive $125 uh, extra in the week. You don't do that. But often I see that it does happen that way. Many times it's financial. Uh, it comes back that direction. Uh, Proverbs 11.24 says, There is that scattereth, and by there he means who is generous. He scattereth. He, he uses his finances to help people all over. So he, he, there is that scattereth and yet increaseth. The more he's scattering, the more it comes back so that he can scatter more. And so he can scatter more. He can more, be more generous. And then there is that withholdeth more than is meat. And that means hoards. Holdeth, clutches, grips, clasps, and, and won't open his fingers, stingy, but it tendeth to poverty. So you see, the, the words of Solomon go along with the words of Jesus Christ that go along with the Apostle Paul's here uh, as he gives. Give bountifully. Uh, Cindy and I watch the American Pickers sometimes, uh, and, and they, uh, they go, and it's it gets frustrating sometimes because uh, they'll be walking out in the weeds and here's something that's overgrown with grass and they, they pull it and the person says, oh, I could never sell that. I love that so much. <laughs> or the, build, the roof is caved in and it's raining and it's running all over and it's sopping up the water of these piles of of, of junk, and they will pull something out of that pile. Oh, I love that so much. I, I just couldn't sell that. Ah, oh, they just can't let go. And that's what Solomon is saying. There is the ones that grasp or they hold on to their own poverty. And we're, we're trying to sell something to fix the roof, oh, but I love that too much to sell it to you. I, it's frustrating. But that's the way often people give to the Lord. I, I love this so much, and yet it is not bringing them the joy that it should be. So our, 
If our giving is going to bless others, we need to follow these principles if we want it to bless ourselves. And these are the principles. Just there are four principles here that Paul goes through uh, of giving so that it might return to us. The principle of increase. How we sow is how we reap. We sow sparingly, as Paul says here, we will reap sparingly. We sow, we sow bountifully, we will reap bountifully. So that's the principle of increase. Invest more in the work of God, we will receive more eternal rewards here. You can't lose in giving to the Lord. If principle number two is in play, and that's the principle of intent. Uh, Paul says here in verse 7, according as he purposeth in his heart. So if he has the right intention, you cannot lose by giving to God. If our motives are right, uh, the farmer's motives really don't matter. They know they're just going to plant and then they're going to they're going to harvest so that they have something to eat. But for Christians, it does matter. God is pleased or he's disappointed by our motives for giving. Um, that's why here in verse 7, he says there are three kinds of givers. I'm not talking about the flint and the, and the sponge. He says there are three kinds of givers. Uh, let a man give, not grudgingly. That's the sad giver. If he gives grudgingly, you're sad about... Uh, you, you watch the envelope or the check drop into the box or, or you're sad because you helped your neighbor out, you gave him um, some money and it's sad, that's grudgingly. Or of necessity, that's the mad giver. He's forced. It's necessary. You've you got to give or else. And so he's mad about giving, but there is the glad giver called a cheerful giver here. The in, uh, intent is cheerful giving. Um, now, it takes God's grace to give cheerfully. Uh, this word really is hilariously, and you've heard that before. Uh, God loves a hilarious giver, somebody that enjoys giving. That's why I love the mission barrel. Uh, some say, oh, do we have to use the mission barrel so often? I say, I love to see the mission, the little kids give to the mission bearer because they give hilariously. You know, they, they get up there and they do jump shots with your money and, and they do over the backs and, and they just, they enjoy, they, they enjoy shaking everybody down and getting their money and then they walk the aisles and they come up here and they, they put it in and they give hilariously. And uh, why? We say, well, of course they can give hilariously. It's not their money they're given. And then we stop and think, is it our money we're given? No, we can give hilariously too. It's not our money that we're giving. God has blessed us, given this blessing to us. We're just conduits to pass it on. That we learned last week, the grace of God or the blessings of God and the finances from God come through us. We give hilariously to the little kids that come. And, and I know I'm not the only one that on, we have a missionary that I want to have a lot of small bills because I love giving. And I don't give them all to the first kid that comes and stops at my seat there. I pass, you know, pass them out because I love to see these little kids give because it's not my money. So I can give hilariously. And it's not the kids' money. They can give hilariously. And it's not the mission 
uh, mission barrels money. So it can give it out. And it's not the missionaries' money that it goes to. It goes out to those that need to know Jesus Christ. So we can all give hilariously. So the principle of increase, the principle of intent, the principle of immediacy, that means that uh, verse Uh, verses 8 through 11 says we don't have to wait to receive the blessing farmers have to wait a couple months we we give and and expect it to come through the back door I mean it can happen immediately sometimes it happens right before something shows up then a need shows up of a neighbor or whatever and and we're able to give immediately and because we receive immediately we don't have to wait Immediate benefits, verse 8, all the uh, immediate benefits, uh, sharing in the abundance of Christ. Uh, I love this verse. God, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you in all different ways. Uh, just I, I underlined all. I highlighted grace, but I underlined all. Abound towards you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. You see that? Um, The immediate events, right away, enjoying the grace of God, enjoying the righteousness of God, which means uh, in verse 9, he's quoting Psalm 112, verse 9, and uh, this idea that as we make, as we give, God will give us the capabilities of making right decisions is talking here about the righteousness of God. It's, it's fruit of righteousness. We make right decisions. You know that we get in trouble when we make wrong decisions. But you make one right decision, then God is going to give you the strength to make another right decision, then another right decision. And as, just as we know, the way of the transgressor is hard always. The way of the transgressor is hard hard, so the way or the righteous way uh, will make our paths straight and clear and plain and good. And then uh, we immediately get to enjoy God's multiplication in verse 10. Now, he that ministereth seed to the sower, both ministereth bread for your food. So he's talking about sowing and food right away. Multiply your seed sown. Increase the fruits of your righteousness. And so he multiplies that for us. Uh, we get to share God's word and in his riches immediately, verse 1 says that. So uh, your giving will encourage others to give. Your giving will bless you. Your giving will meet needs. Verse 12 calls it service. But he's talking about their offering. For the administration of this service, this offering that you're giving. He's talking, uses that word service because that's the word they would use if they talked about the priests and the ministry that they did as they gave themselves to minister to God. Spiritual sacrifices and offerings. And so your, uh, your giving will meet needs. Grace giving doesn't look for excuses not to give. Grace giving looks for opportunities to give. Looking around, how can I give? I know a number that I do that, that they'll ask me, hey, pastor, 
Uh, do you have a, a special project? Or is there a special need? I, I just want to help. I, I want to give. God has blessed me. I want to give. Uh, in uh, Galatians 6.10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially to those who are of the household of faith, um, especially to believers, it says here. But we, we give, and who should get the praise? Verse 12, thanksgiving unto God. We give, God gets the praise. God supplies. The fourth thing, reason we give or benefit for giving is your giving will glorify God. Verse 13, uh, it says, While by the experiment of the ministration or this offering, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. While because you are giving liberally or generously, God gets praise. So our giving will glorify God. God, let your, Matthew 6, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So uh, a hilarious giving sends praise to God. And it, and it goes uh, both ways. The one that is giving is praising God that they had the, the finances to give and to help. The one receiving is praising God because they've been blessed. And they can continue on or they can, uh, whatever their work might be. And so uh, all the giving goes to all men even. It's, it seeps out, oozes out to all those around. So it meets needs. A wealthy Christian man, uh, daily they had family devotions. And daily he would pray for the missionaries that his church supported and uh, he finished praying one day, and his little son said, Daddy, if you would give me your checkbook, I could answer your prayers. <laughs> uh, it meets needs. The last thing you're giving will unite God's people. Verses 14 and 15, that's what's happening. You realize that, that Jews are going to receive a gift from the Gentiles. Do you think that forms a bond? you realize Gentiles are giving to Jewish believers. It cements their bond. How did it do that? Uh, Paul mentions two ways here in these last two verses of the chapter. He says, first of all, uh, there is love that will flow along with the funds. Don't you realize that? I mean, uh, don't you know if you get help by somebody, your heart goes that, uh, towards them, it long after you. That's the, the description in verse 14. Um, that, and by your prayer for you, which long after you. The believers at Corinth, when they give their gift, they, their hearts follow their gift. And those that receive the gift, their hearts go to the giver. And the same with prayer. So they have love one for another, and they pray one for another. They pray for the person that has helped them, and they, uh, they, the ones that pray for the people that they have helped, that is crossed like that, just like our missionaries. Our missionaries pray for us all the time. Some of them say every day. We pray for First Baptist Church. And every day we should be praying for our missionaries. 
You know, uh, Buddy and Loren there in Peru, they pray for us all the time. We pray for them all the time. Uh, we have developed a love for them. They have developed a love for First Baptist Church. They watch our live stream all the time. Uh, good morning. Uh, yeah, good morning to Buddy and Loren as they watch this morning. But they, it, it forms a bond of love and it forms a bond of prayer. So God believes in grace giving, doesn't he? He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He believes in grace giving. He gave us forgiveness for our sin. He gave us salvation. He gave us eternal life. He gave us an awesome inheritance. He gave us and gives us daily, continual provision. He believes in grace giving. The question for us today is, do we? There is good in grace giving. Let's pray. Father, you know that when we think about giving, sometimes there's a distaste in our mouths because uh, we do not see it in light of your giving of your grace. Lord, help us to understand this. Lord, help us to realize that this isn't begging for money. This is describing a way that we can experience joy like never before. Lord, you, you know of the ones here that have already uh, given to the point of joy. A generous church family that we have here. But maybe there are some that are still struggling with this idea that, that uh, it's, a, it's tough, it's a hard thing to, to give to God or to give to your work. Help them to see that there are benefits, benefits for grace giving if our attitudes are proper. We thank you for your word. I pray that if there are those here without you as Savior, that they will take care of that first. This morning, before they leave, might they seek me out and uh, ask me for more information or more scripture verses on how they can know for sure they're on their way to heaven. We will thank you. We will praise you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.